everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but Foodie married Beast anyway, and together we've got the Food and Wine Variety Show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. It's Halloween. We're all in costume here. Everybody's naked. We're pretending we're all nudists for Halloween. <laughs> it's going to be fun. And we have a great show. Deb Moser is joining us. She's going to talk about uh, what's happening at Central Farm Markets uh, and uh, they're going to be smoking turkeys. I have never smoked a turkey, and we'll find out if you can get high. I'm going to see. <laughs> our drink segment, we've got Phil Guernsey, and he's the GM and beverage director at one of our favorite places, La Famosa. Uh, it's an all-day Puerto Rican cafe over in the Navy Yard, and they're not only you know, known for their food, but they've got amazing cocktails. So we're going to, I don't know. I don't know how we'll end up the show. Um uh, Hakan Ilhan is with us. We're going to be talking. He he owns a million restaurants in town, and we'll talk about Not that. Not a million, but well, he owns quite a few. He also owns uh, Ottoman Taverna, and we're, we're going to get into the history and culture of Turkish breakfast and how the Turks love to to linger over meals and chat and all that. And, of course, he's got a bottomless brunch on weekends that honors the tradition. Maybe I'm Turkish. I love to linger over meals. <laughs> Yeah, you're definitely not Turkish. <laughs> you're not even close. Maybe I have something in my blood. Yeah, you'd have got nothing in your blood. Okay. Your blood is cold. Okay. Um, and then joining us is Rebecca Jezwiak. She's the vice president of the very famous Johnson's Popcorn. If you've been to Ocean City, New Jersey, or anywhere up there, you know them. They're great popcorns in lots of different flavors. And if you're 81 years old, you know that they were founded the year after you were born. And vegan cafe and pastry shop Elizabeth's Counter has just off, uh, launched a new chef-driven menu under their new executive chef, Robert Michiula, um, or Roberto Michiula, if you want to get technical in Italian. How about just talking about who's in studio Rob today? Krupitka is the owner, and he joins us later to discuss what they've got going on there. But first, Deb Moser from Central Farm Markets. Hi, Deb. Happy Halloween. Hi, Hi, Deb. Okay, so we know that you guys at your markets go all out for Halloween. Do What do we want to have? And do we want kids to come in costumes? We want dogs in costumes. What are we doing? You're going to see the vendors in costumes, the kids in costumes, the dogs in costumes. People, we had love, dog. their, people love their dogs in costumes. I got to tell you, we had a dog last week dressed as a lion. It was hysterical. <laughs> so uh, they've been out for a couple of weeks haunting the market, mm-hmm. uh, but, the, but here we are. So come on out. There are plenty of pumpkins. There's treats. Uh, Potomac Sweets has the most adorable Halloween treats I've ever seen in my life. Oh, cool. Uh, so you want to stop by there. And okay. um, we also want to talk about you need to order turkeys now. Right. So you uh, and I were talking off air that um, turkey. there's a turkey shortage. There is a turkey shortage. Where'd they it's, all go? Um, just... Yeah, it's uh, it has to do with the supply chain issues. Mm-hmm. So your grocery stores are not going to have as many turkeys as they normally have. Mm-hmm. Um, we have no supply chain issues because they come direct from the farm to to the consumer. So um, we need, but we do need to get your orders in now because they're flying off the shelves, as right. they say. As they say. So now uh, yeah. you guys, now meat crafters is now smoking turkeys for the holiday. Correct. So yeah. why don't you tell we, us about so that? We have a wonderful wood smoker. It's a three chip wood smoker. Mm-hmm. And we will be smoking turkeys and getting them ready for you. And then 
all of the turkeys from Springfield Farm, from um, Liberty Delight and Meat Crafters can be picked up either the Sunday or Saturday or Sunday before the markets or our special Tuesday market, the Tuesday mm -hmm. before Thanksgiving. Uh, and we'll have a special market at Pike and Rose and your turkeys will be delivered right to you there. So now, but the smoked turkey, that's completely cooked and done, right? So that all you have to do is cooked. heat it up. Right. It will come with instructions how to heat it up. Mm -hmm. And oh, I didn't mention it also comes with your choice of a sausage for your stuffing. Yeah, so you I was going to ask about that. Yeah. yeah. So you were going to ask about that? I was going to ask about stuffing. Right. You don't want a, 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 a cavernous empty we're turkey. We're just talking turkeys. We're not talking sides yet. I You're think we talking could hit turkey sides. with Deb Moser. Think of that. I know. Right. We could talk sides is, next week, right? There's a special meat crafters is running. So your turkey and your sausage. Okay. So if you want all the information, uh, mm -hmm. go to centralfarmmarkets.com meatcrafters.com, uh, ourspringfieldfarm.com, and libertydelight.com. Excellent. All right, Love Deb. It. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. All right. Take care. Happy holidays. I don't know why you guys are so surprised that I would actually have a question. It's um, not that you have a question. It was just what your question was. I love stuffing. Okay. Who doesn't? Who don't? All we don't right. put sausage so, in our stuffing. Our old friend, Hakan Ilhan, no, owns- you're wrong. I'm right. Oh, no, no, we're going to Phil Guernsey first. Right, Phil, we're doing sorry. Drinks. Yeah, let's do some cocktails. I know what's important here, I Phil. It's always I know about what's the happening. We're doing the, the drinks. Thing. So we were in Puerto Rico not long ago, and we had some crazy cocktails, and you guys have some crazy cocktails. Yeah, we do uh, We do a lot of work with rum. Obviously, being from Puerto Rico, it's all about the rum, so mm -hmm. we spend a lot of time with it. Uh, right now, the first thing we're going to talk about is coquito, which is uh, probably our craziest thing that we do as far as response from the guest space, but it is a Puerto Rican holiday drink. It's basically like um, a little bit of a spin on eggnog. It's all coconut cream based. Okay. Um, we spice our own rum in house. Also, coconut cream is healthy. Coconut, healthy-ish, right? let's call it. I can find the health Absolutely. anywhere. It's good for you. It's got coconut, so we'll yeah. call it healthy. But, it takes uh, you longer to die is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Better healthy fats. The better, yeah. Um, so we partner with Cotton Reed. We use their mellow gold rum as the base, and we spice it in-house. We make our mix ourselves, and we mm -hmm. bottle it up, and then we sell it. And uh well, so, Phil, let's back up a little bit, because even though we've had you guys on the show before, can we talk about the concept? You're in the Navy Yard. Uh, you're sort of an all-day concept, which is yeah, really so interesting. Yeah, so we all day. Literally 8 a.m., we open up. We do coffee. We do breakfast sandwiches. We have our own pastry pastry uh, deal where we bake all of our stuff in-house every day, mm -hmm. and then we roll right into lunch and dinner. So you can literally come visit us for breakfast, lunch, dinner, have some cocktails in between. So. And can we talk about the pastry that yeah. you do, the guava pastry? Yes. Yeah, which guava so pastry is... That you brought none of That's today. like crack. Yeah, thanks for bringing it, Phil. <laughs> I didn't no. stop Appreciate by the restaurant this no, morning, no, no. and you know Are they got to be fresh. But uh, yeah, we uh, we do... the Probably the most famous one would be our quesito which is a sweet cream cheese stuffed pastry, very traditional on the island. Which but like Nikki said, the favorite is probably the, the, the pastelillo de guayaba, which is a fresh guava paste that we stuff inside of a puff but pastry. But also, shell. the very first time I had it was the Mallorca roll, yes. which I love. That is delicious. The Mallorca roll is something we feature just for breakfast, and then mm -hmm. we snuck it in on our dinner menu on our burger. So we actually use a breakfast roll. It's very Shut traditional. Up. How do I not know Pile that? a burger on it with a bunch of sliced uh, pork shoulder and ham, fried plantain, uh, cheese, all the good stuff, we and we put a burger there. on it. So, um, yeah, the Mallorca is a, a super delicious thing we do for breakfast, and then, like I said, we snuck it in on dinner just because we can't get enough of it. Okay, cool. All right, so now we're going to do the... We're going to do some coquitos. So coquitos. Let's do it. Rum, coconut cream, a little bit of nutmeg on top, and then on the bottom, we've got a prize of some all right. raisins for you. Ooh. So while we're doing that... This is more like dessert. It feels very desserty. Okay, great. All right. Okay, let's so go. Now we're going to talk breakfast, breakfast. But yeah, like a now different we're going to talk. Now we're going to talk to our old friend. 
Uh-huh. Hakan Ilhan, who is also, he's, he owns Ottoman Taverna in Mount Vernon Triangle. He owns Brasserie Liberté in Georgetown, Al Dente next to American U- University, and Il Piatto, which is going to be opening shortly, correct? Someday. Yeah. Someday soon. Someday. <laughs> but but <clears throat> I, we, I think we have a really interesting focus this morning because I told you before the show started I was in Turkey and I had these meals that lasted from when every time he comes in studio you tell uh, him no, no, you went to Turkey why don't one you, trip to Turkey you gotta back off man okay. I'm talking okay. so um and and I had some interminable meals I mean I had meals that lasted five hours dinners in particular tell us about that tradition and why and then about your breakfast there sure um I also think it's appropriate to talk about after Turkey Introduction, Turkish, seems to be appropriate, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, in uh, uh, in Turkey, breakfasts are a huge. Uh, family gatherings usually happens on a Sunday. And uh, um, everybody uh, gathers in elders' house to have a long breakfast. Uh, it's called kahvaltı in Turkish. What it means is before coffee, because coffee is drunk in Turkey, after you really have a meal, is more digestive than uh, having it, you know, in the morning, early morning, is a much thicker um, coffee. Um, and it is uh, supposed to really help you digest the meal that you had. Are you kidding? That coffee would wake the dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, it really, um, during breakfast, it, it is a very well-balanced uh, items that we consume. Uh, a lot of different kinds of cheese, uh, olives, um, tomatoes, cucumber kind of salads mm-hmm. with olive oils on it. And uh, um, a dish called menemen, which is more like um, egg, tomatoes, and uh, garlic, and onions, and, you know, uh, mixed in together. It's, it's so like good. shakshuka in a way. That's what it sounds <clears> like. <throat> it is. It is a very much, you know, similar dish, mm-hmm. if not exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then, um, uh, and also, you know, uh, we have a sujuk, which is uh, the pastrami that's with eggs, is a big tradition to have. And the breakfast do last long time, and you people gather, and we do drink a lot of teas with it. And uh, Turkey is one of the countries that really consumes more tea than water. And uh, I believe it's one of the um, uh, fifth countries to produce most teas in the world. It's, I didn't know that. What When we talk about Turkish teas, uh, what what sort of, uh, is it more green? Is it more black? What what kind of tea is, is drunk more? It's, it's black tea. It is. And then, uh, I mean, you know, Turkish coffee has made its name uh, throughout, uh, you know, centuries, but really tea is the one that's drunk most of the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, people do tend to drink it all the all the time. And uh, each office building has definitely a tea house that you would order. They would bring the teas in mm-hmm. small uh, uh, cups. And uh, it is an all-day drinking um, item that, you know, everywhere in Turkey, in the office environment during... Um, when you have guests at home, that happens. Coffee is more after, you know, uh, you finish your uh, dinner or breakfast, more of a digestive. Can we talk thing. about co- the co- Turkish coffee, as David said? I mean, it's its consistency is thicker, Yes. right? So how is it brewed? So or what is the course of the grain? What is it that makes the coffee that sort of consistency? Well, it is the grind. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. It, it is the grind, and then um, is a you know much coarser uh, grind that mm-hmm. you know. Um, in fact, uh, if you go to uh, Starbucks, 
they do have a grind that's called Turkish grind, and which is much you know uh, thicker, coarser, and then um, you know it's it's usually in is very strong, and uh, usually it's drunk in a finjan, which is a small like like an espresso cup, mm-hmm. and uh, um, uh, and you know because it's so coarse at the bottom of it, and uh, people tend to turn it over and uh, read fortunes. Right. As well, you know, that's that's how the fortune telling, you know, right. uh, comes around. So. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about what you're doing at Anaman right. so that we can have the same experience there. Sure. This is David and Nikki Nellis on Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, and we're talking uh, Turkish breakfast here at Ottoman Taverna with our friend Hakan. Um, so... I, I guess the one question is because th- these meals are so long and so extended, <laughs> does everybody just pass out after that? <laughs> it's uh, w- well, I mean, usually. I mean, do you have beds at the restaurant for? <laughs> uh, for uh, you know, obviously in in Ottoman Taverna here, it's um, you know we started at eleven o'clock, last till two thirty, and uh, um, uh, in the afternoon, and we do feature all the traditional Turkish dishes. And, uh, um, you know, uh, it, it, it uh, really uh, back home in Turkey is a Sunday event usually, not so much Saturday, but mm-hmm. a Sunday event that, you know, people tend to spend two, three hours and, uh, uh, and you know, take a walk or go and watch a soccer game. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it's, a you know, Turks usually don't like to work on Sundays is of, of you know is a family gathering day for um, for Turkish people. But in DC, yes. This is a brunch town. Yes. So, you know, we'll take our brunch on Saturday yes. or Sunday. Yes. We're not specific to traditions. Yes. So, is that why you're offering it on both days? Yes. And then it's it's um, uh, we offer it both days and then uh, the cuisine itself really lends itself well for a bottomless brunch because mm-hmm. there are so many different dishes in small portions, meze style. And mm-hmm. then uh, uh, we do get as busy on a Saturday as we do on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it is um, a very popular um, uh, day part for many people because it's kind of not very heavy, uh, light, and um, uh, it seems to be doing extremely well. So when you say bottomless, are we just talking, is there a specific Turkish drinks that you're serving? Like it's not bottomless tea. Is it bottomless like mimosa? Bottomless. We we we've kind of um, uh, adapted to the American you know brunch culture as well. Mm-hmm. I mean you know we do offer bottomless mimosas mm-hmm. and uh, uh, during brunch and then uh, or bottomless tea if you like. That to would be me. Drink that. I drink it. And then uh, do you so- see all my tea in front of me? <laughs> I have multiple cups. I'm prepared. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it's, it's a matter of choice. And then, uh, you know, uh, you, you can have both. We are offering both. Excellent. Do you guys, I, look, I have to get this in, do you bake your own ekmek? Yes, we do. That's and we brand. have a wood-burning oven. And uh, just, you know, uh, while we are on the air, uh, Autumn Taverna is a, is a Michelin Bib Gourmand mm-hmm. since 2017. And uh, Congratulations. That's yeah. quite an honor. It is. Yeah. So. It's very exciting. Okay. So, brunch is on Saturdays and Sundays. Um what what are the times for it? We open at eleven thirty every day, okay. uh, including brunch days, and then we close at nine thirty uh, um, during the week and ten o'clock, ten p.m. at night. Do you do on... lunch during the week? Yes, we do. That's good to know because yes. you know there's not a lot of places um, since post pandemic yeah. that are serving lunch in the city. Uh, no, we've been doing uh, lunch uh, actually. I think you know we are 
blessed in the fact that we are we have a lot of residential around the you do. Uh, restaurant. And uh, not when you opened, but you do now. Yeah, now, do now. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay, so. great. All right, tell everybody where they can find you online and on Instagram, please. It's uh, automantaverna.com, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, we are at uh, 425 I Street. We are very close to um, uh, the convention center. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank it's you. always good to have you in. Let's go back Thank to you. Phil. Phil, are you there? Phil, this is um, this like a meal. Is Yeah, it's... Like you could yeah. almost eat it with a spoon. <clears throat> well, what I'm thinking is you can pour a bunch of protein in here and pretend it's a, you know. You could have it for breakfast. Yeah. You could easily have it for a little granola in there. We'll call it healthy, That's right. right? And then take a no, nap. No, that is a really product. good idea. <laughs> we actually just turned it into a latte, too. So this year we're going to run it as a coffee special. We'll take the alcohol out, unless you want to leave it in. Right. Um, and then we actually steam the base and put a double shot of espresso but, in it. But, you know, there's something about it that feels like you could bake with it. You know, like so a French toast. Coquito bread pudding is definitely yes, a thing. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Uh, okay. Those recipes are floating around out there. Not something that we're currently doing at the restaurant. I don't uh-huh. know if the chef is interested. He might get, I might get a little uh, He says that, that now, but, but tomorrow it'll be on the menu. <laughs> Watch. Because it has a, um, you know, like a, a ba- it has the base feeling, you know, of yeah, like. It has what a you lot would... of the baking spices in it. So you're exactly. going to pick up the nutmeg. You pick up the cinnamon that kind of gives you that feel. Um, and we do something a little bit different. We actually blend some unsweetened coconut in it to give it a little more texture. Is that what the little bits um, are? Yeah. That's what the little bit coconut of bits are, so you great. get some texture in it as well. Good. Okay. So let's talk about the cocktail program because I know tiki is big. But tiki is, is tiki big. big in Puerto Rico? Not at all. Right. Tiki is just something that uh, <laughs> as we were looking at building a cocktail program and really wanted to stay rum-centric, obviously rum is very big in tiki. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we wanted to just throw on one that kind of was a little bit of an homage to that. It's super simple. Um, we we want to make sure that we kind of just stay right in the lane of super fresh fruit, super fresh juices. Um, mm-hmm. But you're going to get that nice kind of dry bitterness to the finish of the tiki cocktail. Um, it really brings it out. It, it looks really, really sweet. It presents really well. It's beautiful. But for well, me, it's my favorite because it's got some nice alcohol content. It's kind of it. funny that you say that. I always sort of like roll my eyes with tiki because to me all I think is like pineapple juice and orange juice like and little umbrellas yeah. I don't mind the little umbrellas they're <laughs> cute it's I don't like sweet yes. drinks absolutely um so I always I'm like tiki uh, so but... I'm, a, I'm a whiskey and a bourbon drinker so mm-hmm. I'm similar so for tiki for me a lot of it is if you do it right it's it's almost high octane. You really get the punch of the alcohol with the fresh citruses and stuff like that. Yeah, because we when need you do more it high well, octane. It's really balanced right and it's nice. So we use a fresh mango puree in this drink. So mm-hmm. we don't add any extra sugar. Um, and then some really traditional tiki elements. We use orgiat, which is an almond syrup. We use velvet falernum, which gives you that kind of dry spice at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, we're featuring the mellow gold uh, from Cotton and Reed in this cocktail. So excellent. All right, all right. Well, while you pass it on, we're gonna go to our next guest and we're gonna talk we're, about popcorn. We're gonna pop some corn. Thank you. Isn't that beautiful? Thank you. Uh, Rebecca Juzwiak is a, uh, uh, how would I put, she's a homegrown popcorner. I know. Uh, with her story to tell, but she she is the vice president of Johnson's Popcorn, an 80-year-old company uh, headquartered in Ocean City, New Jersey. Rebecca, I you got to tell your story because it's, it's pretty great. it's pretty amazing. Well, so I've worked here for 25 years. I um, I started here when I was 14, and by the time I was 19, <clears throat> I was in a management position. It's, um, I mean, I waitressed a couple places. It was really the only place I've ever worked. So it's kind of just in my, it, I mean, I've been at Johnson's for over half of my life. <laughs> I was born and raised in Ocean City, which not, not tons of people are. It's a very small town that, you know, is a vacation well, town. Like it's a beach town. Mm-hmm. I grew up. I'm I'm from New Jersey, but I'm from the north part of New Jersey, and mm-hmm. uh, but we grew up going, you know, down south 
to the different beaches. Um, so, um, no, you don't need to pop it right now. Well, yes, Just leave it alone. Um, so, um, could we talk about the history of of the popcorn and why it's so popular and how it's sort of sustained this long? Well, so um, we've made we make our product the same way that we made it in 1940. Uh-huh. We hand we pop our own popcorn. We hand mix it with a wooden paddle. It's super laborious. Um, And we've never used technology to kind of speed up the process because I genuinely believe people are going to taste the difference. Mm -hmm. It it matters that you don't change it. It's kind of a fine dance. Like obviously Johnson's popcorn as a company, we haven't left in 1940. We have a website and, but the product is exactly the same way that we made it in 1940. And why is that? What is it about the process that you all do with your popcorn that you feel so committed to instead of well, you know, catching up to like it's technology today and all that kind of stuff? I, I believe that if I were to insert machines into doing the things that we do by hand, because mm-hmm. we, we, once we, we, I mean, we use machines to make the caramel and stuff, but we code it by hand. We okay. mix our products by hand. We then pack it by hand. That allows you a lot of exposure for quality control. Mm-hmm. So we have multiple times that we can be like, this is great. This isn't great. I don't think you can replace with when it's something you're tasting. I don't think that I could find a machine that a human would be able to, to be you know, as critical of the product. So what you're receiving is exactly what you remember, whether you ate it 10 years ago or 30 years ago, mm-hmm. that you're going to remember what that tasted like, and it's going to taste exactly the same. What- well, uh, let me ask a question. Do they have popcorn tasting competitions? Because, you know, <laughs> our beach is Ocean City, Maryland, Rehoboth, Bethany, it's a little farther south, and there's, uh, what's it called, the popcorn place? I don't know. What's there's the popcorn that, well, that one that's on every corner. So do you guys uh, have popcorn offs or anything like that? We don't. We don't. Well, we should. just keep we just keep popping away all day and night every day and hope people, you know, enjoy it as much as they did previously. Well, let's just for uh, so when the uh, Johnson started, I assume they just did what? Like caramel popcorn and buttered popcorn. As time goes on, you know, there was like this real big punch in the 80s and 90s of like all these flavored popcorns. Did you guys mm-hmm. feel the need to sort of do that as well? Or did you just find uh, ways of seasoning the popcorn differently that appealed to you? So we never went um, with a lot of different flavors. Uh-huh. What we did was, I mean, we added along the way, we added a caramel with peanut. We've added a caramel that has chocolate drizzle, a peanut with chocolate drizzle, oh and a God. cheddar. Oh. We really only have, you know, five to six flavors uh-huh. because our belief as a company is that we want to do six things well, like extremely well, right. not 26 things where you might have liked this. And there's something to be said about having lots of variety and having lots of flavors. But I believe since it was, since we're kind of continuing an, an eight decade history, that just wasn't the place for us. Right. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. But let's talk, you went from just selling at the boardwalk to now making it available to people. That's a big jump, right? Of serving it sort of fresh, or, you know, in the store to being able to ship it anywhere. Um, What was that process like? Well, we started doing mail order very, very early on, like in the Mm -hmm. 80s. We would would be able to ship it. Um, One of the previous owners, he was a brilliant man. So he got mail order, you know, 
underneath of us. And then also we started wholesaling to make it available in Safeways, Acme's, um, Hmm. Hallmark stores, things like that. And that just helps it because we're only in one spot. You know, we're only in Ocean City, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. So, but people travel here. We're a vacation town. So that doesn't mean in October that you're not, you know, in need of a gift. The thing about Johnson's and the reason why we want to make it available to people is my belief is that your taste completely brings you back to somewhere, no matter where you are on vacation, Mm -hmm. whatever you ate somewhere, you can connect with a really amazing memory. So sometimes you need to do that. Not in the summer, let's say you're, you want to send it as a gift to someone. Happy birthday. Remember our times at the shore, Mm -hmm. whatever product you're using. And, um, I genuinely believe because we've been in business so long, people can send it to their grandmother that vacationed in ocean city in 1958. Right. And you can bring back that nostalgia. It's a very, very important part of, um, you know, our continuation of the years that the great years that we've had. Well, it's, um, it is amazing to sort of be able to bring somebody back to a specific memory through food. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. If you don't mind holding on for just a sec, this is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We're going down memory lane via popcorn. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, and we're talking Johnson's popcorn. Rebecca, I got a question. What about the corn itself? Do you go to a, is there like a place that they started getting, you know, a farmer they started getting their corn kernels from back 80 years ago that you still use, or is it, I mean, how does that work? Jersey corn is famous. It is. We do use a specific person. There's trade secrets that I'm not allowed to tell you the source of who we use. Nobody's listening. Come on. (laughs) I know, I know, but we do have a specific farmer that grows our corn. We love him. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, he knows exactly what we're looking for because crops, that's a whole other thing, right? Your corn, if it's a wet season, a not season, like you can, like it's, it's a natural product. So you can't manipulate it if, you know, it was dry or wet or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we're constantly talking about making sure our product comes to us the way we need it to. Well, so I have to imagine, I mean, I think most people take popcorn for granted. You know, we just sort of assume it's going to burst and be big and and the right texture so that, you know, it can hold up to other flavors or just be eaten alone. So there must be things that you all put in place so that the popcorn is consistently big and beautiful and doesn't you know you know what I'm talking about? You know, like some popcorn, like it doesn't pop up big. It's like I assume that has to do with the kernels. I don't know the science. Yes. So it, it it's like it's a it's it's not a complicated science, but you gotta make sure that you're buying the right product from the right person. You have to know, you know, what that crop that year was. And then when there's things that you can't control and the farmer can't control. Mm-hmm. You have to implement things with, we do implement things within our business to make sure if something's a little more fragile or something, you know, so it is, um, well, nobody believes me if I'm out and introduced to somebody and I say, I run, I run a popcorn place. You were like, no, come on, really? What do you do for a And I'm like, no, really? I, I work believe you. I totally believe you. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I, no? <clears throat> I got two questions for you. One is how much popcorn do you pop in a year? Mm. Uh, tons? tons and tons and tons and tons from this year. I don't have the data yet, but I mean, when I say tons, I mean, metric tons sure. and tons and tons of popcorn. It's, um, it's a constant, we're a year round business that's constantly, um, providing 
popcorn, whether it is for our, you know, our retailers, whether it's for the people in Ocean City, New Jersey, we do wedding favors, we do, you know, corporate events. There's so many different places where there's a need for food, Mm -hmm. which I love because I love food. I love to eat. I love that people are happy about it. (laughs) And it's um, a way, again, I keep going back to this. It's totally a way to connect with people. Mm -hmm. Well, are people concerned about organic versus, you know, not organic when it comes to popcorn? They're concerned about GMO and Mm non-GMO. So our popcorn is non-GMO and people are concerned about that. Interesting. I mean, you would, Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of nice to hear, but it is interesting that people are asking about it and, and sort of curious as to whether or not it is or isn't. I'm always sort of fascinated how far sort of like those kind of lines go down. Do you know what I mean? As far as public consumption, do you hear it more from your consumers or do you hear it more from the people who are buying for like the big locations, you know, the big stores and things like that? Yeah, no, I think it's definitely consumers. And I think part of what that is, is because it's a snack food. Mm-hmm. So every, you know, you're more, you ask more questions about snack food and technically prepackaged, even though you watch us package your food. Like mm-hmm. if you walk up to our store, we're, we're cooking, you're getting popcorn that's made within the last seven minutes. It's okay. every seven minutes all day that we're open. Wow. Um, I just think pe- consumers are more conscious about those type of things than if you know, we all went out to dinner and you ordered the short rib and I got the sea bass. We're just going to talk about how good it was. You know what I mean? Right. We're not asking if the sea bass was sustainable or whether or not the meat is from a certified humane farm or something like that. Well, if you and I and go I out to dinner, assume. I mean, I was going to yes. say, if we go out to dinner, I'm ordering the popcorn with the chocolate drizzle. I <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's what he's doing. It's so good. Well, listen, we really appreciate you joining us uh, today. I assume everybody can find you online. Can you tell us where? Again, it's www.johnsonspopcorn.com. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us today. That's great. Um, and the popcorn is delicious. We have multiple tubs of it we here do. in studio. We do. I have it around my waist now. And it goes really, really well with these cocktails, mm-hmm. <laughs> which uh, we're going to bring Phil back on. Phil, I see you mixing something up. I'll come over to the mic. Absolutely. So let's talk about how the cocktail program has changed at uh, La Famosa. And what you guys, because you have a whole new fall menu that you're launching. Tell us about it. Yeah, so we, you know, we kept a lot of the favorites. We really have had some really great response to them. So we didn't want to mess with it too much. There's no Mm -hmm. reason to fix something that's not broken. But we did want to bring in a couple of new unique things, uh, which is one of the things that we're going to try today. So we actually brought in a Jamaican pot still rum called The Funk. Mm. Um, And it is a very interesting rum. Uh, It is very appropriately named. Uh, It's made from molasses and distilled in a traditional pot still. What happens then is it becomes very smoky and vegetal um so it is a mm. whiskey or a scotch drinker's rum in my opinion it kind of has this really cool characteristic that you wouldn't normally expect out of a rum drink so uh we spent a little time working on it and it came up with what we think is a really cool riff on it uh the cocktail we actually ended up calling it what the funk to have a little bit of fun with the name <laughs> that is a um, dangerous that's name. as close yes. as you can come yes. on exactly. this show. Is, uh, we don't like to take ourselves too seriously over there so it, we want to have some fun with it and make sure that you know it's as much fun to order and drink as it is and that's to, like when to make greg casson's on and he talks about mother shuckers <laughs> yes exactly yeah well, quick question though um with all the different rums i mean be given your puerto rican heritage is there a lot of sort of gauntlet thrones when it comes to rums from other areas I think so, and there's some very unique attachment to some very interesting brands. Don Q is probably the most popular rum on the island. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Puerto Rican through and through. It's been there forever. Um, 
that and probably Rondo Barlito are the two that are probably the most famous um, coming off of the island. Um, and those are the ones that are really attached to to the to the. All right, I, I have to break in with a question. You're Puerto Rican. I am not. I'm actually Italian, which is part I was of the, say, the funniest well, and thing. And your last name is Guernsey. Exactly. <laughs> You're a so mess. the chef, as chef and I have been friends for a very long time, and I jumped on the project. But your Spanish is pretty inspired. good. I worked really hard on it. I'm getting there. I'm about fifty fifty. So it's muy bueno, amigo. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. So you're going to pour that next? Yeah, let's pour it up. Great, and then we'll come back to you at the end of the show. All right, now we're going vegan. Um, plant-based. Uh, we're going, no, we're going vegan. I know, which is plant-based. plant-based. It's the same thing. It's plant-based. Well, that's the broader category. But in any event, um, Elizabeth's Counter um, uh, over in Alexandria has a, a new chef-driven program under a new executive chef whose name is Robert Mikulia. Yes. Why am I having so much trouble? I speak Italian. But anyways. Um, Rob uh, Krupika is the uh, the owner and the real genius behind the restaurant. What would you say that, Rob? Genius works. Yeah, genius works for him. him. And he's in with us today <laughs> to tell us all about it. Thank How'd you get into this business? And vegan is still kind of unusual in out there no, in the not. world. That's yes, it is. You can walk down five blocks before you find in many cities. Okay, that a is entirely restaurant. untrue. I and don't just know. to be clear, more in the last 10 years, more and more restaurants are serving. Plant-based right. dishes, right? And but there you can find a completely offerings. vegan restaurant not on every block the way you can find a restaurant. That's okay, my point. Not on every block. It's the audience new. isn't there. It's for still it. new. It's and still you, new, but it's becoming mm-hmm. it's becoming much more mainstream. Right, than and you're convincing exactly. carnivores to you know come over from the dark side once a week, every day, whatever works for them. There you go. So, what made you? How did you guys? Let's talk about Elizabeth's Counter. It's uh, initial start, and then how it's evolved. So, Elizabeth's Counter started as primarily a donut shop. Mm-hmm. We were serving vegan donuts. We had a big vegan following, but everyone liked our donuts. We had a, we had a great customer base. Uh, COVID hits. We realized we need to serve more food in than order just donuts? Than, than just donuts to make the to, I don't make, know why. to make the business I could work. Live on donuts. Yeah, a lot of people could live on donuts, but <laughs> but uh, we lost. You know, the big thing about COVID is we lost our going to the office business because sure. people weren't taking donuts to the office anymore. So it really had an effect on our on our kind of on that sales segment of our market. So we realized we needed to convert to food. We had a great vegan customer base, and we uh, we launched a vegan menu. And then we spent about a year looking for a chef who could really take us to the next level. And we found him in August, and we hired him, and he has transformed the menu. We have a fantastic uh, lunch and breakfast menu, plus still great donuts. All right. Well, you're, well let's we not talk bogart about... those donuts. Everybody, come get a taste. So and what let's see is what we've it? Got. How do donuts become vegan? So no dairy. No milk, uh, okay. no dairy, no eggs. Which is a challenge. Which is a challenge. It, it, there's soy. There are other things you use mm-hmm. to get the to get the consistency right. right. Pass but, them over. Yeah, Come yeah, on, yeah. You okay. guys. So I brought a couple of unique ones. I brought our vegan eclairs. Oh, an eclair. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it is filled with um, with cream, and it is a it is a. But the it, cream is what? It's but it's a it's a it's a plant based cream. Mm. Oh, interesting. And so as so I assume that you I also brought some apple cider donuts because it's that time of year. It is that time of year. Um, So as you were working with the chef to come up with uh, the kinds of dishes on the menu, were there certain things that you wanted featured? How did you sort of decide the kinds of things that you wanted to feature on your menu? So I gave the chef pretty much carte blanche to do what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And he came in with a really specific vision. He wanted to have. we have what we like to call vegan junk fruit, and we have burgers and and fried chicken substitute sandwiches, mm-hmm. which are amazing. And he's it's it, all the breading and everything else is, is done. Is that what that is? 
that so no this so this is this is from um, this is the most popular new thing on the menu actually which is why I brought it in. It is a celery root cake that is actually a crab cake knockoff, right? Um, and it's amazing. He makes it with all the same things you put in a crab cake, except it's got celery celery root instead of crab. Mm -hmm. And then it's got a little secret in it. It's got fried capers, which give it a little tang. Sure. Um, so the Chesapeake Bay seasoning plus the fried capers Come gives on. you a real. It's it's an well, amazing. You haven't figured it, it out. It's I'm amazing. only on the show no, to no, try the food. You're, you're, you're here to eat. You Let's should grab see. one of those. Grab. They're they're amazing. Here it okay, comes. everybody, dig in. Come, Come on. on, you're all standing around. Dig in, dig in, dig Have in. Some donuts. So Rob. Um, how have wow. people responded to the it's launch of the menu, and um, are you finding sort of new audiences in, in its launch? We are finding new audiences, and people have been blown away. I mean, we launched this menu three weeks ago, and my staff has been working a mile a minute to keep up with the demand. It's been great. And the best part about it is the repeat customers, people who come in, try something for the first time, and then come back the next day and the next day and the next mm -hmm. day. And that's what we were going for. Is we wanted to be a place vegans could come every day and get something new. And non-vegans could come and have something that would blow them away and and really change their the crab mindset. Cake is good. It's hot. What's the spice in there? That's not just Old Bay. It's mostly Old Bay. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, what I'd really love to talk about is sort of the equalizing of a plant-based restaurant versus any other restaurant. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we are back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, and we are surrounded, we're inundated mm -hmm. with all kinds of great foods and tastes from Elizabeth's Counter. Rob, um, did you work with, with Chef Robert? No, I already I, asked that question. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm asking. When I mean, because if I come in and I'm going to have something like the crab cake and then something like the donuts, I mean, you could have contrary tastes in there. Is there a, a, a I mean, was there an effort to sort of homogenize and to make everything sense. good I, I, we made an effort to make sure it was a cohesive menu where you could come in and order a little bit of everything and have a great experience and, and the menu pulls that off i really wanted to elevate vegan food uh, fast casual vegan food because sure. this is fast casual and right. is it a sit down we have we have it out we have a counter right <laughs> uh, we have outdoor seating we have indoor seating mm -hmm. but it's primarily a, a grab and go, go kind of place mm -hmm. and and that's what our customer, we, you know, we're right in the middle of a dense area right by the Braddock Road Metro mm -hmm. in Alexandria. Our customers live in apartments. They come down, they grab their food, they go home, they, they take it to work, whatever they might be doing. So mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're situated perfectly for that. Um, and the name Elizabeth's Counter actually comes from our donut heritage. Right. Elizabeth uh, was the person who invented the hole in the donut, and she's a real person. Uh, there's a sea captain named Captain Gregory, mm -hmm. who our bar is named after. We have a bar on the side, a little speakeasy called Captain Gregory's. Captain Gregory's named uh, after the guy who invented the hole in the donut, and his mom Elizabeth is the one who actually executed that hole in the donut. True story out of Maine. Well, why did he want the hole easier to hold? Easier to hold and it fries the dough all the way through. Because sure, because you, you couldn't get the middle. You couldn't get the middle fried. Right, that makes all the sense in the world. That's yeah. a great. Story. So a bomboloni, which has no hole, is filled with cream. It's filled with cream. That's, That's right. right. You got to fill it with something. And right. donuts used to be filled with nuts in the middle because that's the only the, way to deal with it. Yeah, you had to deal with it. Yeah. Oh, that's... that is so interesting. Uh, well, let's right, just uh, for this. a second, yeah. let's talk about your cocktail bar. Captain Gregory's, yeah. So is that a plant-based only concept as well? It, it is not a plant-based only concept. Okay. Uh, the, the, we have some spillover from the menu, but it is, it's a separate standalone mm -hmm. entity by itself. Yeah. Interesting. And so people, uh, what I love about the concept is, and the kind of food you're offering, 
is that it really is for everyone. That's right. You know, so if somebody does keep a plant-based lifestyle, then it's all there for them. But if you don't, it really doesn't matter. You you can be just as happy. And that's that's what surprises the my friends when I bring them into the store for the first time and they are hardcore carnivores. They're like, just try it. And, you know what? And they try it. Are they, are I, they really? Are they really that different? Like, it's not yeah. like they've never had a salad. It's not like that's what I tell them. People get a thought in their mind about vegan food that it has to be something really unusual, and it's not. It's just good, but fresh we think, food. And I speak for the carnivores that it's going to be kind of tasteless and bland. This eclair tastes exactly like an eclair should taste. What's exactly. in the in the in the cream in the middle? Secret ingredients. Yeah, I mean he's not going to tell you, um, but um, is, is but he's also not. Paste? He's is also it? not the chef. Um, but I think what's interesting mm. about that is. I mean, we could go down a rabbit hole about why people aren't calling it vegan anymore and they're calling it plant-based because it's a more palatable way of talking about food. Do you know what I mean? Vegan sounds like a a way of life, whereas plant-based sounds like just what you're eating. It's just just good food. It's Mm -hmm. good, fresh food. And that's what the chef's vision is, is good, fresh, from-scratch food. And uh, it happens to be all made from plants. Uh, but that's a, that's almost a side note. Uh, it's just good food. Right. I love that. The only question I have is do you think it's necessary, like, for example, your faux crab cake, yep. to sell it as a faux crab cake instead of just saying what it is? So on the menu, it doesn't say faux crab cake oh, at all. Oh, it doesn't? No. Okay. It, just does it, say? it says celery root cake salad. Oh, that's cool. That's all it says. We don't talk about the faux crab cake part of it other than when I'm explaining it to someone like we are here. Mm-hmm. I've got to try to give you a sense of what the flavor profile is. And Which that's I totally the, get. That's the closest flavor profile to, to give it. What's your background? I What's mean, my background? My background is politics. I was in politics for 15 years and decided I wanted to open a restaurant, and here I am. Wow. Uh, I left politics for this. I, you can argue whether that was good or bad. But no, that was good. It was good. I think it was good. <laughs> It's a different way of you life. You probably saved your soul. I probably did save my soul. That's exactly uh, right. It certainly saved my mental health. Uh, well, so we have about two minutes left. Is there anything that you'd really like to share about what you have coming up? Is there anything for the holidays, so Thanksgiving, I, So catering? absolutely. We, we are rolling out our new donuts next month for uh, the holidays. We're going to have a rum eggnog donut, which is going to be amazing. It's going to be an eclair. It's going to be it's, – it's just going to be – You don't want to do the it's coquito? It's just fantastic. I think you should – Pour that coquito right on top of that donut. No, um, you open up the eclair and just pour the coquito inside. Exactly. I like ex- it. I'm excited about the eggnog donut. Uh, and the chef's going to start doing weekly specials in a few weeks. Um, we lo- got the new menu up and running now, so we've got everyone trained. Staff is ready, and we're going to start rolling out every week a new special. So people follow us on social media. You can see what the new special is every week. Great. And come down and try something new. Excellent. Okay, tell everybody where they can find you and where they can find you on Instagram. So we're really easy. Elizabeth's Counter on uh, Facebook, Elizabeth's Counter on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's all you got to do. And on the street. Tell them on and the on street, street, too. We are 804 North Henry Street in Alexandria, about two blocks from the Braddock Road Metro, so you can metro there. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a great absolutely. concept. I love it. Okay, Phil, come on. You're wrapping up our show. Awesome. Um, so with the holidays coming... I mean, I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's almost November. What do you guys have going on there? Do you know? Yeah, so we're actually rolling out a couple of different things. Starting with Thanksgiving, we're going to do uh, kind of a Puerto Rican Thanksgiving. So we're doing what's called turkey pavo chan, which is basically a turkey uh, that is roasted and seasoned like lechon, which is the whole pig that we do traditionally on the island. Yeah, uh, That's going to come with mofongo and beef picadillo stuffing. Okay, can we talk about mofongo? Because yeah, actually, <laughs> David, um, we, I mean, well, we had it. I mean, obviously we had it at your place, but we've also had it in Puerto Rico. Although I am surprised that it wasn't on more menus. Yeah. It wasn't. But um, uh, David said to me the other day, he's like, what is it? So 
you want to answer that yeah, question? So <laughs> mofongo in and of itself is just a base for kind of the dish. So it is literally just green plantains. Mm-hmm. You f- deep fry them. You mash them mash in what's them called right a pilon, which is like a wooden mortar and pestle that mm-hmm. we use um, with a little bit of chicken stock. We put garlic olive oil or mojo in it. And then chicharron, which are like fried pork skins, gives you a little bit of texture. That's mofongo. Everything else that goes on top of it is whatever you want. So we do ours with a pork belly. We have a Criollo-style shrimp. We have a vegetarian option that we use impossible meat in. Um, so and it's Mofongo, it's not just indigenous to Puerto Rico, right? It's not. It's no, very it's much a Caribbean it's, it's very thing. Caribbean. Depending yeah. on what island you're on is how they make it. So you'll see some places, some people will do it with green and yellow plantains. Sometimes there'll be yuca mixed in there. Got it. Traditionally on Puerto Rico, though, you're just going to get the green plantain. I just love on SNL when they're doing Big Poppy and he goes, Mofongo. <laughs> <laughs> Andy doesn't get it because Andy doesn't watch us. No, Andy's an intellectual. (laughs) (laughs) Albert Einstein, never mind. Okay. Listen, everything you poured today was really terrific. Has your new fall cocktail menu launched? Yeah, we launched it like two weeks ago. So everything that's in here today is on the menus and is available. Coquito will actually come out on Wednesday. So we start the bottling process on Tuesday. Um, and then you'll be we'll be able to sell whole bottles to take home. I was home. just going to ask, can you buy the bottles? Absolutely. So we'll sell it on the cocktail menu as a drink in the restaurant. You can come in and buy a bottle for your table and have it with your friends, and you can buy it and take it home. Um, and we'll I'm also sell it through that. all of Are our delivery kidding? platforms and everything else that's this. available. So Very right. cool. All right, tell everybody where they can find you online and um, on Instagram, Absolutely. Please. So Instagram, we're at eatlafamosa.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing for Facebook. And then we're just down in the Navy Yard, 1304th Street, right on the corner or kind of across the street from Vita Fitness. So. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. It's uh, Everything you did today was terrific. And we want to thank, thank everybody for coming uh, in studio today. We kind of went around the world a little bit, except for New Jersey. Can you imagine the, um, the, the journey from La Famosa to Ottoman Taverna? My God. Right. And then out to Elizabeth's counter? Right. And what then you meal. forgot the popcorn in um, New Jersey. Yeah, you can eat the popcorn while you're in the car <laughs> right. on the way you to need, the... You need snacks. I'm a big believer yeah. in snacks along yeah. the way. Anyway, so we want to thank all of our guests for joining us in studio today. Of course, you can find everything that you heard about here today on the listareyouonit.com, the online e-zine that talks about everything going on in the D.C. metro area. And now, thanks to COVID, beyond as well. Of course, you want to follow me at N-Y-C-C-I, N-E-L-L-I-S, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, I'd follow you anywhere. That's great. And don't forget to tune in uh, to me on Industry Night on Real Fun DC every Tuesday night. It's a deeper dive on what's going on, not just here uh, locally, but uh, across the country and sometimes internationally. Again, we want to thank our guests for joining us and masks are off in Montgomery County, people, but if you see a sign that says wear your mask, just do it. If you're not vaccinated, I don't know what you're waiting for. Get that third shot and get your flu shot. And remember, there are staffing shortages and lots of other shortages. Everybody just needs to be kind to one another. Be patient. I know it's hard, but uh, it's important to do. So uh, be safe out there and everybody have a delicious week.